Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Earlier this week, the ag tech company Benson Hill moved into its new headquarters in Creve Corps. The $52 million building represents a doubling down on St. Louis. The company has roots in North Carolina, but recently closed its office there to focus on St. Louis, where it has long also operated. So who are these guys and what makes them want to be here? Joining me today to talk about it is Matt Crisp. He's the co-founder of Benson Hill and also its president and CEO. So Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So you say Benson Hill is a crop improvement company. What does that mean? Sure. So we develop crops uh, that are better. And what we mean when we say better is they're more nutritious, they're more sustainable, they, they taste better. Uh, but of course, what they become are food and ingredients. And so in many respects, we're a food and ingredient technology company as well. So when I hear crop improvement and I hear how you just described it, I think about genetically modified organisms. Is that a big part of what you do? It's a part of what we do. You know, what we've been able to uh, to build uh, is a technology platform we call Crop OS, for, for short for Crop Operating System. And so uh, Crop OS is a technology platform that converges data science, uh, machine learning with plant biology and, and gene editing and food science, such that we can actually meet the customer or the consumer wherever they desire to have, uh, you know, how, in, in whatever specification they have. So some consumers uh, desire non-GMO food and ingredients. Uh, some consumers uh, don't mind GMO ingredients. Um, we really work with the, the stakeholders throughout the food and agriculture value, value chain, as well as with growers, to essentially design and allow them to produce you know, whatever meets their market specifications. So I can get a custom seed for what I'm trying to do? If, if I want to grow an apple that has certain characteristics, you guys can help me get there? We think that if you look uh, deeply enough into the natural genetic diversity that's already in a lot of plants, you can get many things that are healthier for you, that taste better. Uh, you know, we've been, we've been over time uh, very commodity focused, and we've bred for things like yield and, and moving uh, fruit and vegetables long distances. And we've left behind some really important things that actually are there. Uh, but they've been bred away or, or, or certain of these characteristics have been bred out of, of plants like nutrition density hmm. uh, and oftentimes flavor and taste. Uh, and we think they're by using technology and, and uh, you know, different <laughs> uh, convergence of, of capabilities, we can reincorporate a lot of what we've lost. So I'm thinking about tomatoes when you say that. I feel like some of the tomatoes you get at the store, they've been bred to be super hearty, but they just don't taste like those old heirloom tomatoes do with, you know, the super juicy, wonderful bite there. You can bring back the kind of taste of an heirloom tomato and, and put it into a tomato that can also travel long distances. Is, is that the ultimate goal? That's a great example, Sarah. So when you think about, and I, by the way, love tomatoes as well, but find that most of them in the grocery store don't taste like much at all. Mm -hmm. So when, when uh, and, and it's for the reason that you just described, they've been bred to ship long distances and provide great yields. And that's great for the grower, but it might not provide the best experience for the consumer. And so you're right, you know, there's characteristics uh, that are, that start with the seed, that start with the genetics, that come from heirloom varieties and uh, how they're grown. 
And by reintroducing some of that, uh, using genomics technology that we have today, we don't have to sacrifice yield uh, for taste and, and taste for yield. We can actually gain visibility, use technology, uh, this convergence of capabilities that I described, and, 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 uh, and so to say, have our cake and eat it too. Hmm. So I do want to say this this crop OS, this system that lets you do this, this won the AI-based solution of the year honors at the Ag Tech Breakthrough Awards. You guys are really on to something big here. Um, but, but give me a specific example. What is a crop that you have improved? So uh, soybean is a crop that we've spent a lot of time on and that we're actually taking multiple products to market uh, here in the near future. And uh, this is a crop that's grown on tens of millions of acres in North America. But again, the principal focus has been on yield. And by taking germplasm uh, or genetic, I'll call it a genetic chassis, that has higher nutrition content, that has better amino acid profiles, that has high quality food grade uh, characteristics to it, good flavor, low anti-nutrients, and then also keeping an eye towards production, agronomic properties, you know, what we're doing is bridging the, the needs and interests of both the consumer with the grower mm-hmm. and providing an opportunity to create a premium product in that case and a crop that's widely understood to, to principally be a commodity. I was going to say the soybean seems like the least sexy crop out there, <laughs> but are you guys bringing the sexy back for soybeans? We are. We are bringing the sexy back for soybeans. You know, when you think about uh, what the genetic potential of soybean is, it's quite remarkable. It, it can produce more protein per acre and therefore more protein per unit input than any other crop. We sometimes call it the king of protein. Hmm. Well, protein is important and we have a global demand for more of it. And so when we can produce it at really high uh, densities and, and we can concurrently produce it in really high qualities, um, it, it, it gains the interest of a lot of folks, including those, for instance, in the alternative plant-based protein movement where soy and another crop, yellow pea, that we do work in are the, the number one and the number two most used uh, crops for those ingredients. Are you talking about things there like the Impossible Burger? That's a perfect example, yes. Uh, the number one ingredient in the Impossible Burger is soy protein concentrate. And if you can produce... Uh, soybeans that have a high enough protein density, we can actually get rid of some of the processing steps that are required to make an impossible burger. So imagine uh, not having to go through processing, but growing what you need in the field to to begin with. Hmm. We sometimes call this better from the beginning. It starts at the seed. If we can do that, then we can bridge more quickly and more much more sustainably uh, to the consumer and to what their interests are. Hmm. We're talking today to Matt Crisp. He's the co-founder of Benson Hill, also its president and CEO. They've just opened up an amazing new headquarters uh, here in the Creve-Core area. They have a lot of farmers and people in the agricultural sphere who are really excited about what they're doing. And one of them is Grant Pottest. Uh, He's 59. He grew up on a family farm in northwest Iowa. And he now farms 7,000 acres of corn and soybeans. 1,600 of them are Benson Hill soybeans. He's so passionate about Benson Hill that he invested in it as well, and he explained why. What really uh, caught my eye or grabbed my attention was the fact that they were focusing on bringing healthier food uh, to feed the world. Specifically, they were using innovation and new technology. I have a daughter who's in the medical profession, and uh, they have uh, the CRISPR technology, which gives them the ability to edit the genome of the plant to change color, change taste, and do things like that 
that could actually do wonders for our food chain of growing more food, better tasting food, etc. And Grant Pottest, who is a farmer and also an investor in this company, he also added this. The things they do are, are cutting edge, and we haven't seen a company in ag like this in you know, probably quite some time. Probably you know, the last company that was really on the edge like this was Monsanto a couple decades ago. So that leads me into a perfect question. Matt, I have to ask, is the goal here to be the next Monsanto? Oh, that's a good question. What I would say is our goal is to liberate the technology uh, and some of the capabilities that existed uh, behind the doors of Monsanto's and some of the other big ag seed companies and direct them uh, in a more holistic manner throughout the entire value chain. So think about uh, Benson Hill. We're not a seed company and we're not a commodity company, but we want to learn from uh, how those tools and capabilities were developed and then apply them to an amazing variety of, of uh, uh, plants to embrace uh, and, and push forward and innovate around a lot of biodiversity that exists in, in, the, in the industry, uh, but is really untapped. Hmm. And so, uh, yeah, you know, I say we're not a seed company. We do seeds, but we also do ingredients and we are innovating in vegetables and we're innovating in legumes. And, and so we're really trying to, uh, you know, understand the total value proposition uh, that can be offered and then look at, you know, again, what the consumer wants, which I think is um, not an area that has been a, of, of a intense focus by some of those some of those folks upstream in the value chain. So you know that if the consumer wants a certain taste, that's worth trying to figure out a way to get there and, and there will be customers for that product after you've developed it? Exactly. And if you think about you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, as Grant said there and, and, and uh, in his comments, to develop a new crop, to innovate a crop, you know, this was a, a, a remarkably expensive uh, endeavor. I mean, you could spend $100 million developing a new piece of technology or a new crop or a new trait. Today, the advent of uh, data science and, and innovations like CRISPR in plant science uh, what we've been able to do to create data, to understand that data, to turn it into information, um, and then to take action on crop improvement has shortened not just in how much time, but drastically uh, been made more affordable uh, you know, through leveraging things like the cloud and next generation sequencing technology and so forth and so on. So now, you know, those cost barriers and time barriers having been lowered are opening up opportunities that frankly weren't even here five or 10 years ago. Hmm. Does sound like a lot of opportunity there. I know a lot of people still feel kind of in about GMOs. What would you say to people who are who are freaked out about that part of what you're doing? Oh, sure. So, I mean, we're a science-based company. And again, when, when you think about science, there's going to be varying levels of appreciation for what it can bring. Um, and that's okay. You know, what Benson Hill is about is providing choice. And so if, again, if a consumer wants a non-GMO, all of our commercial product offerings today are non-GMO certified. Hmm. And so we, we are totally agnostic as to, um, you know, the, the amount of technology that you use. Um, we really are about defining 
the path of least resistance to get to what a customer really, really wants. And I think as, as customers are becoming more educated, especially the millennials and Gen Z, you know, there's a growing understanding that technology is in lots of parts of our lives and we need to be transparent about it. We need to understand how it's being used and we need to, to appreciate the tangible benefit it brings to us and to the environment. And then over time, you know, I think this will in some respects solve for itself. But in the meantime, we've just got to focus on what the consumer wants and not and not alienate the farmer in that process, because that's where it all starts. So, Matt, I've got to ask, um, what made you want to do this work and base ben- Benson Hill entirely here in St. Louis? It's a great question. So when we uh, I had lived in North Carolina and we, we were founding Benson Hill uh, me and and uh, and my colleague Todd Mockler at the Donald Danforth Plant Science Center, and so we were co-located, thousand miles apart, mm-hmm. so to say. And what we needed were three things: we needed the infrastructure to to build an organization, and that was you know, I mean, that was available in ways that it wasn't anywhere else in the United States, particularly with the Donald Danforth Plant Science Center. Number two, we needed people, great people, great talent. Uh, and, and St. Louis, again, offered that. And the third, and, and in many respects, most important when you're a small startup company is you need capital. You need fuel to, to hire those people, to take advantage of that infrastructure, to, to innovate and invest. And, uh, and we, were, we were very fortunate uh, locally to find support with organizations like BioGenerator, BioSTL, the Missouri Technology Corporation, um, you know, multiple local angel investors who really believed in us early on. And those three key ingredients, you know, put together were really the, you know, that, that created the formative years of Benson Hill. And so when we began raising institutional capital in 2015 from the East and West Coast, it just made it a natural fit for us to continue to grow the operation that we'd really invested in here locally. So it feels like this is the one part of the local economy that's really growing. It just it feels like St. Louis is becoming a hub for this kind of stuff. Do we possibly have a future as, you know, the ag tech equivalent of Silicon Valley? Uh, I, I'd say there's a hub. There's there's definitely a emergent hub of activity here, and St. Louis is undoubtedly the number one or number two place in the United States, and for that matter, the world, uh, to invest in plant science innovation, hmm. to develop uh, startup organizations around uh, this area of investment, and it's in the heartland. I mean, look, when you're you can uh, you know draw a line around St. Louis and have access to the grower community, that's oftentimes again where the st- starts, uh, the the recipe, I think, gets better and better. And and I agree with you. It's definitely a hub. Hmm. Well, that was exciting to hear. Finally, some good news about the St. Louis economy. Um, And (laughs) great news to hear about this new company, or not new company, this this double down on St. Louis company, Benson Hill. Well, Matt Crisp, on that note, um, I want to thank you so much for joining us today to to share about what Benson Hill is up to. and, And also, congratulations on your new home. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the time today. Podcast episodes of St. Louis on the Air are available at stlpublicradio.org or subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Fenske.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.